Good morning, good afternoon, good morrow to everybody listening. I hope you, I just hope you're having a good day wherever you are. And if you're not having a good day, I hope this episode helps to calm you down and gives you some tips and tricks. And as a nice, cute little side note, it's not even cute. Don't know why I use that word. I have a fly in the studio and I have tried to battle with him or her for about 10 to 15 minutes now. There's been lots of failed swatting. I don't really want to go down the route of ending this poor fellow's life just because he's a nuisance to me. So if you do hear him, um, he has an appearance. It's the first guest on the podcast. Get me. Okay, guys, let's dive into coping, creating new coping strategies. So as a recap, what have we gone through? I sound like a teacher, don't I? Like, what have we done in the past couple of sessions? Okay, so we've talked about radical acceptance, creating a distraction plan, mindful breathing, um, encouraging new coping thoughts, and a bit more diving into radical acceptance. So today... We are, if you're reading, if you're following on from the book, Cool Beans, we're going from page 56 all the way to the end of, oh gosh, I have sticky taped all of my pages, but because I've put them in the back of a drawer and they've got, they've got squished, everything's just kind of folded in together. So we're going to, to the start of chapter three, Ghettos, guys. And again, if you want to get the book, there is a link um, in the podcast notes that you can order this from Amazon through an affiliate link, which just means I get a really small portion of the sale, not even enough to make a coffee, but I guess it's a way of you saying, hey, thanks for, you know, letting me listen to a fly in the studio today and listen to your voice over and onwards. So let's dive in. Create new coping strategies. This is a perfect podcast episode when you feel that you get so overwhelmed with stuff and you want to start making a difference to how you respond in the situation. So if you are someone, and I know you are and it's okay, I'm with you too, where a bad situation happens or something distressing like an argument and then you walk away from it and then maybe the same day or a couple of days later, you're like, oh God, it happened again. I just got over my head. I got stressed and angry. Why was I like that? If you are getting these feelings, I want you to know that that's good because you are becoming self-aware of your behavior. And as soon as you can be like, oh, I'm cringing it myself, that's brilliant. It's a feeling that I want you to hold on to. Don't feel shame about it and be like, right, I know that how I'm behaving is not the best way of behaving. And this is this session is going to help you come up with different ways to cope through that. And before I lose my train of thought, I made a note here to say, that sometimes if you are in a situation with a distressing person, it could be a partner, it could be a family member, a work colleague, a friend, a stranger. Sometimes we feel that if we've, if we've been neglected as children, we've been, our voices have been shut down. No one's listened to us. And we've now got this um, way of picking out people's bad behavior rather than us saying, hey, you're treating me like crap. If we've not adapted that boundary yet, we're going to get angry because our needs are not being met. So we are... I'm going to say acting out in a nice way because we're, we know something's wrong in our guts. Something's saying that something's wrong. We feel offended. We feel ashamed. We feel hurt by someone's actions. And rather than us try to point out to people how we feel, what you can do is just let that go. And I mean this in the sense of when you become more healthy with your behavior, you can be in a distressing situation with anyone. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you an example as we go through, but 
I was in a situation with someone in an extended, my extended family that they're in my life now. They they will be in my life for forever, and they're not amazing in the sense of they potentially have a personality disorder themselves. There's lots of frequent arguments, and at the start, I was very much like, "Whoa, you can't do that to me! How dare you say that?" Blah blah blah. I'm really upset. Now I just think. Mm, you know what? It's not even worth my words. It's not even worth my actions and behavior. They are not going to change. They're not doing the work that I'm doing. So I have to plan ahead for this person's actions so I know what to do. And this is what this episode is about. It's about planning ahead. Because let me tell you, despite the therapy that I've had, the EMDR therapy, the amount of workbooks and journals and everything that I've done to help myself, I cannot avoid dare I say, toxic people, and you will be the same. You can't avoid these people. They still exist. It doesn't matter how amazing you are. You're still going to come across terrible people. And this is the perfect exercise for you. So let's dive in. So now that us guys, we're familiar with the distress tolerance skills. You can create new coping strategies for the future. Exciting, right? So the easiest way to do this is to examine some, examine some of the distressing situations you've experienced in the past and identify how you've already coped with them. So often, people with overwhelming emotions go through the similar distressing situations over and over again. It could be the same person. It could be you end up having a situation, you cry, you lash out, self-mutilate, whatever it is. So in some ways, these situations are predictable. And like I said, you're still going to have moments where you'll be having a bad day. For me, I've done so much, so much self-healing work that some moments um, I can get lost with my emotions. I can have an argument, say, with my partner. And afterwards, I'm like, oh, I don't know why I was like that. I'm so sorry. I think I'm just really tired today. So my stress levels are automatically like engaged quite a lot. I'm so sorry for that. That will still happen. And that happens with everyone, even the people that don't have emotionally unstable personality disorder or borderline, whatever you want to call it. That's a normal response to when we're feeling low. So, you know, take that into consideration. Okay, so today we're going to identify what our past situations were, how we have coped with them, and what those unhealthy consequences are. And it might feel a bit awkward because we have to really tap in now and be like, oh, I did that. And that caused this effect because of my actions. And there will be a little bit of shame. But like I said, hold on to those feelings where you think I could have done that better and use that as fuel. Don't focus on the past. Focus on what we're going to do to change and become very spiritual and kind of hippie in the way that you're coping with this. And I promise it gets easier. So then we're going to identify new coping strategies that we can use in the future if we experience a similar situation. And also as a reminder, what those healthier consequences will be as a result of using those new strategies. And as you'll notice, you will be given two different coping strategies worksheets. This is because you're going to need different coping strategies in situations when you are on your own or when you are with someone else. Because obviously we can't, you know, I think I gave the example a couple of sessions ago where we can take bunched up socks and throw them at the wall. But if you're sat with, I don't know, a your sister-in-law at the table and you're at a restaurant and she's saying something ridiculous and it's starting to trigger you a little bit, you can't just you know, take your socks off at the table, roll them up and throw them at the wall. Bit weird. So this is why we need to have a distraction plan. All we're doing is we are putting a process in place to predict someone else's behavior so that we come out as not better people, but healthier. 
So an example could be when we're alone, we feel overwhelmed. It might be most effective to use the cue controlled relaxation or mindful breathing techniques to soothe yourself. But these techniques, like we just said, can be awkward and impossible when you're with someone else. So you need to be prepared to have a public situation. So here is an example that the book gives for preparing for both kinds of situations. So Carl identified a distressing situation that occurred when he was with someone else. He wrote, when I'm with my brother, he always corrects everything I do. Now, this is a good situation for Carl to examine because it's predictable that the next time he's with his brother, Carl will experience a similar distressing situation. Next, Carl identified how he usually coped with that situation with his brother. Using his old strategies, he wrote down that he fights. He then eats too much, he scratches himself, and he thinks about all of the times he was insulted in the past by his brother. And next, Carl recorded the unhealthy consequences of his actions. Now, this is where the shame part can come in very easily. And we're not going to tap into that emotion today. We both get angry. Okay, I gain weight from eating too much. I get caught all over my face and arms. And I feel horrible for days thinking about the past. Obviously, none of Carl's strategies has any long-term benefits. A quick hack here is us guys that are dealing with... um, with BPD, EUPD, whatever we want to call it. And I kind of want to make a note here onwards that I don't like the term BPD anymore. There's so much stigma with it that I want it to be just trauma focused. You know, if we are overwhelmed because of our trauma, because we've all dealt with it, right? Um, We are all going to have the same type of responses. And this is for another podcast episode, but Um, CPTSD, PTSD and BPD, they have a massive crossover and it's almost okay to say to someone, I've got chronic PTSD, but when I've got BPD, everyone's like, oh, weird. So yes, my note would be um, not to hide away from it. But if anyone asks you if you were diagnosed with anything, I would just say go down the route of complex trauma because that's that's really what it is. Um, Okay, tangent over. Where did I get up to on this page? I'm so sorry. Okay, so none of his strategies have long-term benefits. When we are emotionally overwhelmed, we are stuck in the present. We want to make our immediate situation fluffy and beautiful, but we can't when we're lashing out. The only way that we can have a good present moment is to plan a long-term situation. So next, Carl identified new distress tolerance skills that he could use the next time this situation arose with his brother. So under new coping strategies, Carl wrote the most appropriate appropriate distress tolerance skills for this type of situation. So he chose from the skills that we have talked about in the last two chapters. He wrote, take a time out, use my new coping thought. I am strong. I can deal with him. Radically accept myself and the situation in a new way. And then he predicted what the healthier possible consequences of these new strategies would be. And he said, I'm not going to fight as much. I won't eat as much. I'll feel stronger. And maybe I can deal with the situation better in the future, regardless of how that will be. Obviously, the consequences of using his new distress tolerance skills would have been much healthier for Carl. But these coping strategies are probably different from the strategies he might choose when he's in a distressing situation by himself. So Carl filled out the worksheet for coping with distressing situations when he's alone. The situation he selected was 
Sometimes I feel scared when I'm alone. And again, this is a good situation for Carl to examine because it's predictable that he will experience the same overwhelming feelings the next time he's alone. The old coping strategies that Carl used to deal with the situation were, I smoke pot, I go to the bar, I drink, I cut myself, spend money on my credit card. And of course, the unhealthy consequence of these actions are, I feel sick after smoking too much. I get into fights at the bar. I bleed. I spend too much money for things I don't need. And hopefully you can identify that that is trying to improve his immediate situation. What's he doing there? The feelings are so strong. He can't handle them that he wants to smoke. He wants to drink. He buys things to feel good in the moment. And cutting also releases um, a slight feel good, um, feel good feeling. So that's it. We're trying to immediately improve the situation and sometimes we can't, okay? Sometimes we can't and that is okay. So new coping strategies to deal with this situation. He wrote down mindful breathing, remember my connection to the universe, use safe place visualization and remember what I value. And finally, the healthier possible consequences that he predicted were, I'm not going to feel as anxious. I won't hurt myself. I'll have more money. I'll feel relaxed. And again, It's easy to see that Carl's new distress tolerance skills are much healthier for him than his old coping strategies. Now, the same results can also benefit you if you take the time to prepare for predictable situations in your own future. And it sounds a bit like, oh, I don't want to do this. But I promise you, if you can look ahead, it's going to help you so much. This is what I did. When I first read this book in 2020, I was just like, oh, I'm not doing this worksheet. It's so, it just, it's kind of pathetic. It's not going to help. But let me tell you, pen to paper action does something in the brain, which makes it feel more worthwhile. For example, I can say to you, right, think about the next five things you need to buy when you're going out shopping. You can make a mental note, but you're probably going to forget it. As soon as you write it down pen to paper, it it transforms into a different form of the memory bank in the brain. It becomes more more important is probably the best word. And this is what we're doing with these worksheets. So we've got two to go. The first worksheet, do it with me mentally, but if you can get hold of the workbook, please do it. It really helps. This first one are the situations when you are with someone else. So for example, the situation we had was when I'm with my brother, he corrects everything I do. His old way of coping was fighting, scratching, self-mutilation. He identified his unhealthy consequences. He gains weight, he gets cuts, he feels horrible, he ruminates for the next couple of days. His new coping strategies and the healthier possible consequences. So I'm going to give you an example of what I have written down here. So my distressing situations when I'm with someone else, and that is hanging out with a certain extended family member. They are very critical. They are almost disrespectful to me. They don't listen to me. They don't ask me how my day is going. Um, They just overall don't have a fond liking towards me, I presume. Or maybe that's just that's what that's their situation to deal with. Now, these old coping strategies were... We have had moments where we've got into fights where I've realised this person doesn't like me. If they say something, I'm say, hey, you can't say that to me. That's not very nice. This is my boundary. And sometimes we can we can tell someone how we don't want to be treated. But if they keep treating us in a bad way, the only thing to do is to walk away and leave them. So after this, I would end up trying to avoid this person. I wouldn't want to talk to them. And obviously I, I can't because this person's in my in my close family circle that I still have exposure to this person. I can't get away from them. 
Um, I would either binge eat to feel good if I was with them or I would not eat at all and obviously that messes up my metabolism quite a lot and then after that I would ruminate for so long about certain behaviours where this person's done something that's offended me where they've said something that's really hurt me and I'm trying to identify hang on am I the bad person here why are they lashing out at me and that's unhealthy the unhealthy consequences here is this it's the aggression I start to value less of this person. I want to avoid this person. It makes it all very, very awkward. Now, um, new coping strategies when I'm with someone else, again, plan ahead. I know that I'm going to see this person frequently. So I have to plan ahead. I have to think this person, I can't change them. I'm going to radically accept this person. I'm literally going to say, this is how this person is. The only thing I can do to change is how I respond to their behavior because I can't change them. They're probably never going to change. They're never going to do self-healing. They're never going to read an article. They're never going to watch a YouTube video. They won't change. All I can do is change how I respond to them. I'm radically accepting this is who they are. And I can take a couple of breaths when I'm with them for something that they don't realize. If they're talking and they're emotionally overwhelming in the sense of they're offloading to me and they're talking about stuff rather than actually having a conversation, they're just talking to me. Um, in the back of my head, I am starting to look around the room. So I'm not trying to break eye contact with them because I don't want to come across as rude, but I'm starting to identify, you know, the lines on this person's face, the clothing they are wearing. I'm becoming mindful and present in that moment. I'm not running away with my emotions thinking this person won't shut up. Oh my God. I'm literally just looking at them. If there's a moment where I break away from them and look around the room, I'm looking at how the sunlight's coming through the window. Is it bouncing off anything? Do they have anything in the room that's of a certain colour. For example, I did a rainbow checkout. I look around the room and I find something red, something orange, yellow, etc. And this gets me back into the moment. So remember our mindfulness techniques. As soon as we become present in that moment, our emotions aren't running away with us. So I'm being polite. Uh, what else did I write down here? My writing was so scruffy. I'm so sorry. Okay, I accept that this is who they are. I then start to exhale slowly. This is a natural way for you to change your biology, change your brain thought process in that moment is to just just exhale really slowly. And that starts to de-stress the brain. Rather than me being aware of where the aggression or the anger is in my body, I think about, okay, so I'm being mindful. I'm looking around. I'm going to start to exhale. And then I'm focusing on where I'm feeling it in my body. And that's how I learn my emotions. And that is another episode I think that I'm going to go through. Um, is if we have been, you know, if, if because BPD is very crossed over with PTSD in the sense of there is that dissociation and unable to feel emotions, that if you can't decide in that moment what emotion you're feeling, focus on your body and think, okay, where am I feeling it in my body? Do I feel a sensation of locking in my back? Is there a tightness there? Am I clenching my fists? Am I, am I pushing my jaw out in aggression? You can start to identify how your body's reacting and that gives you a key of the emotion you're feeling. So I start to do that. I'm counting stuff, looking at colors. I'm starting to exhale. And I'm also thinking with some nice self-coping strategy um, sentences, I can't change this. This person um, it's sad that they're, you know, they're not aware of their own behavior, but I'm stronger than this. I've done so much work. I'm not a bad person. 
they might be saying some horrible things to me and they might be nitpicking about the things I'm doing, I'm saying, the things I'm wearing. They might not approve of my career. But that doesn't mean I'm any less of a person. I'm still amazing. I still believe I'm an amazing person. And I'm going to just let them have their own thoughts. That's that's not my business. Whatever they feel, that's not my business at all. And I'm not going to go into past rumination thoughts of the last time. I'm just going to be like, mm, this is, it is what it is. And I want to visualize my humble, safe place. And that could even be just going home. Like, I cannot wait to go home, take my shoes off, put my feet up, watch something nice on the TV and just de-stress. So I'm thinking that. Now, of course, these healthy consequences are, I can value this, this, some form of friendship with this person. It's not awkward for everybody else. And it just means we get on. It's pleasant. It's not ideal. It's not the ideal situation and relationship I want with this person, but it's not toxic anymore. It's literally just, "Mm, maybe things will be better in the future if I don't emotionally react. So there was my example, very long example. Next up, we have distressing situations when you are alone. Now, I have to say that after doing this worksheet so many times, this activity, I no longer feel this distressing situation any longer. I'm so proud of myself. So the example here is I feel scared when I'm alone and I can't afford to pay my bills. Let's say that you, money's tight. It's it's really hard working. When you are emotionally overwhelmed, it is hard to work. It is hard to function in an adult life. And just to kind of carry on and continue as if nothing's happening on the inside. So I get that. So my old coping strategies when I felt scared to be on my own was I would drink. I want to get out of my head. I want to feel a new feeling in that moment because it's so painful. That emotion hurts so much. I drink. Could be I'm distracting myself in a self-mutilating way. I'm cutting myself. I'm burning myself. I could smoke lots, I could order unhealthy food and binge, or I don't eat at all. Now, obviously, those unhealthy consequences are, the, obviously, the first one, the, big, the biggest thing for me is eating crappy food. I get mental brain fog for the next two days. The next day, I've got a swollen face from all of the, the salt that I've induced, and I just look awful. I'm like, why did I do that? I had food in my cupboards. I get upset. I will ruminate over things, which means I would think can like in an obsessive way about this situation. I'm probably writing it down 30 times in my journal. Like I'm upset. Oh my God, this is this is happening now. Now I'm thinking about the past and then this situation comes up and it find I find it very hard to avoid the situation. But my new coping strategies when I'm on my own is, I think I've said this before, is I like to pretend that someone else is soothing me. You know, if we were neglected as kids and we didn't have that mother environment, I just hug myself. I hug myself and I'm like, it's okay. And I will even say out loud because that's something I've never had. I'm literally saying to myself, I'm okay. You're going to be okay. This is fine. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And I breathe. I exhale and I remember my values. I think, okay, so I'm feeling scared I'm alone. Maybe I can't afford to pay this bill because I don't have this money, but it's not the end of the world. I'm not going to get kicked out over one missed payment. That's the reality. And I have to accept that I can't do anything now. So I could panic and ruin the next couple of days by unhealthy coping strategies. Or I could just accept, look, I can't do anything. That's that's the situation. I don't have the money. I can't pay the bill. I might as well just be happy about it. Because remember, guys, time still moves on whether you move along with it or not. You could be unhappy for three days. Life still continues. You may as well just... I know that sounded like pox, uh, poxic, toxic happiness right there, like toxic positivity, but it's, it's true, it's factual. 
that life is going to continue whether you are happy or not. You may as well try and nip it in the bud as much as you can. So I get out of my head. I think, okay, what can I do right now to feel good? I know I'm going to get some chocolate. And I have found that I don't know if this is like a, a placebo thing. Obviously, there's dopamine release from chocolate. But if I'm really overwhelmed, I always have a bar of chocolate in the fridge. And I always get like a dark cocoa like a dark cocoa chocolate because then I won't eat the whole bar I just have like a couple like two or three squares because it's quite bitter and I'm like okay I feel fine it's kind of like a, a weird childhood treat that I probably would have had as a kid and that helps me that makes me feel better so I make myself feel good um I forget all those horrible negative things I'm going to say like well this is your fault that you're broke because you spent your money on this you did that rather than me feeling that way I think okay what can I learn from this why has this happened why am I giving this? Why is this in my story? Why is the universe giving me this moment to think about my past decisions? Because obviously something isn't working. So in that moment, I'll think, right, we get away from it, distract myself, do something nice, play some games, talk to some friends, go out, go shopping, come back. And then I'm like, okay, this is temporary. It will pass. And that is that the, the healthy consequences mean I'm not going to cause any more destruction. And it, it also means as well that if I'm not overwhelmed for the next, say, two days, if I can't pay a bill, I can call up whatever company it is when I'm not feeling sad and like, look, I'm really embarrassed. Something bad's happened at work. I didn't get paid, blah, blah, blah. What can we do about it as opposed to just ignoring it? Okay, moving on. On each worksheet, pick four distressing situations from the past and examine how you coped with them. So please fill this out with those things that make you feel like, oh, why did I do that? Write it down. Let's work through it together. Identify the unhealthy coping strategies you used and what the consequences were and also for everyone else involved. Then record which new distress tolerance skills you could have used to cope with those situations in a healthier way. So if you need to, review chapters one and two, which is the past three episodes before this one, and pick the distress tolerance skills that you found to be helpful. Um, No, it's not the past three. There's a couple more. I'm so sorry. I can't even remember how many I've recorded now. So consider these to be options for the new coping strategies column as you're completing the two worksheets. Most importantly, be specific because if you write, use a new coping thought, you're going to forget it. You need to write down what that thought is. Or if you write, take a time out, include what you're going to do. So if you're with someone, you're going to say, I'm going to take a time out when I'm feeling distressed. What are you going to do? Some really great hacks could be, I'm just going to nip to the ladies. I'm just going to powder my nose. I've left something in my car. I need to get my phone charger. Even if you're just telling a small white lie, physically take yourself out of that situation just so you can just sit in your car, go outside, maybe have a cigarette break if that's what you do and just feel right. Okay. I'm on my own now. What would I normally do? (sighs) I would exhale. So please be specific and so that you don't forget what you're going to do in the future and then record the healthier consequences that would have been if you had used your new distress tolerance skills. So use those examples that I've said and that should really, really help you. Next up, let's get a little bit more serious. Let's talk about creating an emergency coping plan. So hopefully, guys, you have been thinking about, you've been practicing those new distress tolerance skills from the previous from the previous chapters, and you have a good idea about which ones work best for you. Now, let me tell you, there will be times that you might practice something from this book. You might use one of my examples. And then when you actually go through to use it, you realize that that's actually 
doesn't work for you and that's okay. I mean, when I did my distraction plan a couple of, of weeks ago, uh, well, this would be years ago actually now, um, two years later when I've reviewed it, that's not what I do and it, it will change and that's okay. You have to feel things out to see if it works for you. So here we go. Um, maybe using the new coping strategy worksheet in the last section helped you predict which ones are going to work best for you. And now you're going to be ready for the next step. We will help you create a personalized tailored plan for dealing with some common distressing situations, both when you are with other people and when you're alone. So for situations when you are with other people, list four coping strategies you think will be the most effective for you. Again, be specific, include as many details about that strategy as you can. Begin with your most effective strategy, then the second and so on and so forth. Now, the plan is that you try the first strategy and hopefully that works. If it doesn't, you move on to the next one and so on and so forth. And again, refer to any distress tolerance skills you found helpful in the previous episodes. Your new coping strategies worksheet in the last section that we've just spoke about and any experience you have using just the distress tolerance skills so far. Okay, so here is my emergency plan that I wrote down many, many years ago when I'm dealing, when I'm upset and dealing with other people. So first, what am I going to do as my emergency coping plan? I'm going to radically accept. In the back of my head, I'm thinking, this present moment is the only moment I have control over. It's no use fighting the past. It's no use remembering what the horrible things this person has said, what they've done. I think, you know, I can't change anything apart from this moment. What do I need to do right now so that I can walk away from this and be proud of myself what can I do so I can sit in my car drive home and be like wow I didn't respond in a bad way this is great and then next my distraction method is to count something around me or look at colors and then I'm going to self-soothe so I'm going to in my handbag I always have hand cream. I'm going to take that out, massage my hands, get myself back into that present moment. Maybe give myself a quick manicure with a nail file. I'm going to put some antibacterial spray on my hand. Maybe I'm going to apply some lip gloss. I'm going to drink. I'm going to vape, cigarette, whatever that is. And then I'm going to return to that situation. That's basically given me, if we break this down, those three things that I've decided is to one, accept it, to change my mentality. Next, distract myself because those emotions are so overwhelming. I'm, like, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to count how many buttons you've got on your shirt instead. Then I'm self-soothing to bring myself back into the present. And then there is another one here, which I didn't fill out. So I want to fill it out with you for when I'm upset and I am alone. Oh, actually, I did that with you before, didn't I? Yes, I did. Okay. So then when you finish making both of these plans, copy each one of them out onto a single note card. Keep the plans with you in a wallet or purse. Now, it's so important you actually pen to paper this or write it on the notes in your phone because then you are more likely to remember it. There are going to be moments where you have a distressing situation and you're going to forget to use these skills, but keep reminding yourself when you hit that afterwards circle of, oh, I wish I was different, wish I didn't handle it that way. That's when you think, damn it, I have my distress tolerance worksheet. I should have gone through it and it gets easier. So I'm telling you now, that you're going to hear this and you're going to be like, I want to put this into practice, but it's going to take a couple of sessions to fail. And I know that sucks and it sounds horrible, but that is the reality. That's the radical acceptance reality that you may forget the first couple of moments, but it becomes a habit. So I took a picture when I was going to a certain family member's house or a friend's, whatever, that I would kind of trigger me. I would write out my, my distressing plan 
take a picture, set that as my phone background. And then in the moment when I'm getting annoyed, I would just check it. I'm like, okay, so this is my reminder to do this. So I would say, take that, take that strategy too. So this strategy is going to provide you with constant reminders about your new distress tolerance skills and you won't have to rely on the old ineffective ones. Plus, you won't have to try to remember what to do next time when you're feeling hurt, angry or upset. Simply pull out that card and follow your follow your own emergency plan. Like I said, you may forget this and it's okay. The more times you can do something, the more the habit is built. So maybe I would say put these reminders wherever you feel you need them. So if you're going to, what would I do? I'm trying to think back to those many years ago when this was a really, really bad situation for me. Um, So I would have a card in my purse. I'd have a card on my phone. Now I wasn't driving back then, but now I would probably leave the card in my car. I would literally blue tack it to the horn in the center of my steering wheel to remind myself on the way to this distressing situation. And the more you remind yourself and, and listen to this these episodes the more that you go through these workbooks the more it's at the top of your mind and that's where that's where the new behavior comes in because you are surrounding yourself you are overindulging in new ways of living and reparenting yourself and ladies and gentle beans we're at the conclusion so remember practice your new distress tolerance skills as often as possible it's going to get boring but please review them don't get frustrated if you don't get them right on the first try learning new skills is hard And if you are, let's say, for example, you are 35, you have probably spent 30 years of your life bringing yourself up. You are learning to reparent yourself right now. These are skills that you should have learned when you were a little teeny tiny baby, a little child. But we didn't get that, did we? We were emotionally neglected, sadly. Our parents, for whatever reason, you know, we're not going to blame them. They must have had their own personal issues going on, their own story. We didn't get those life skills that we needed. So right now we're pa- we are reparenting and that's tough to learn how to do something that you've been doing, dare I say wrong for the past 20, 30 years is hard, but it's not impossible. I promise you it's really, really not impossible. You're going to feel awkward when you do this. Okay. When I randomly got out my hand cream and started giving myself a, a massage in the middle of like a kind of like the start of a preheated argument looks a bit weird, but I thought, you know what? In this moment, I don't really care because I'm doing this for myself. It's not that weird just putting bloody hand cream on. Um, So yeah, you're going to feel awkward, but get excited. Get excited to try these things out. It will inspire you to actually do them. But anyone can learn these distress tolerance skills and they have helped thousands of people just like you. And this is me signing off saying I've been there. I I don't have distressing moments as bad. If I'm overwhelmed, if I'm stressed at something, meeting deadlines, a little bit tired from not having great sleep the night before, then I will be like, ah, but on a general day to day basis, I don't have this. And I've put in so much work and made um healing myself and reparenting at the the most important part of my life. I I literally disappeared for many years and worked on myself. And this is something that I'm not encouraging to disappear. I'm just saying you can do this. It gets so much easier and you will get there. You just have to be willing to put the work in and putting in the work is when it feels awkward and you feel like, why am I doing this? Why do I have to soothe myself? Well, my parents should have done it. I get that. But 
There is no time better than the present, okay? I want to wish you all the best. I want to see you in the next episode of the podcast. And you are amazing. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, I'm giving you a big hug. You are not on your own. And I know that sometimes you will feel like the whole world's against you. You will feel like you are an alien in this world because you've never felt like you belong somewhere. But you belong right here, okay? You belong right here. This is the best situation right now for you. And I wish you so much. Make yourself proud. Make your previous childlike self proud of you to change. And I will see you next time. All the best. Bye-bye-bye.